And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. Zach Jackson flying solo today, pre-free agency edition. So it is noon on Wednesday, that means we're five days from the start of the player movement negotiation period. And exactly one week from the start of the league year. You know, what that really means is just that um, all the numbers have to be processed. Every team has to be under the cap, and that's when deals can officially get signed. But it really starts on Monday, uh, and it really has started. You know, we, we've seen Aaron Rodgers uh, be the first domino. We saw the mega trade involving Russ, Russell Wilson. Um, the franchise tags were due. The Browns were one of eight teams to give one of those out to David Njoku. And at the combine, other things um, get done. Some officially, you know, some cap casualties or formal releases are made. Um, some things are, yeah, we're headed that direction. Uh, and other things just get in motion. Um, you know, they go to the combine and they collect medical information and they interview the players and they also talk to the agents and their peers, right. And and they kind of lay the framework. So I would say this, um, you know, as far as what's going to happen with the Browns and other, um, teams, you know, 80% to 90% they know what they're going to do. And and by now they know what plan A is going to be. Now in free agency, um, you always have to have beyond plan A and in many cases deeply beyond plan A um, because guys retire, guys fail physicals, guys have a change of heart of leaving where they've always been, guys get offered more money to not leave where they've always been, guys get offered more money out of nowhere at the last second by a desperate team. And free agency is about desperation in many cases. I mean, you would love to – be prudent and sign guys who up your depth and up your professionalism and leadership and fill in holes, plug them temporarily. Um, the Browns have used defensive free agency in particular to plug one-year holes. They've had a level of success with that. I think everybody would agree um, that the, the complete defensive remake of last year worked. Um, and, and you know, you, you come in understanding you're not going to bat a thousand and that you're probably not going to knock, knock it out of the park. Um more than one out of three or four times. So that's the risk in free agency. It was summed up to me a long time ago by saying you play, you pay a money for B and C players. Um, and you know, a lot of times guys that make it to free agency, their team just didn't want them, I don't know whether they're tired of their shit, <laughs> whether they just can't afford them, whether there's injury concerns, whether they have young players, you know, every case is different and you know, the Browns don't answer questions. We know that, but they will tell you they take every case differently and they look, um, it's quite obvious. If you follow the Browns, they need to rev up the passing game. They need to add receivers and defensive linemen. Um, the clowny thing, obviously, with with Njoku being done or at least being tagged, it's not done yet. I look for further negotiation and probably a long-term deal there. You know, Jadavian Clowney is the number one Browns free agent that they have to make a decision on. I would say Harold Landry coming off the market and the other guys, you know, being in their 30s probably does nothing but raise Clowney's price tag. Uh, I thought Clowney was good last year. He was certainly healthy. It turned out to be a really good signing, and I think Clowney and Garrett are together. 
together are very good. If the Browns don't bring him back, their hesitation would be just paying a lot of money to a guy who's has an injury history, who's 29. They would like to give that money to younger players, which is understandable. Um, and the other resignation might be, why would we pay 29-year-old Jadavian Clowney $12 million when we can't win the Super Bowl? And with the current state of this offense, the Browns can't win the Super Bowl. Let's just be honest. So um, one warning uh, about free agency and you know just on, on how this goes. Um, to temper your expectations, right? This is the 2020 free agent class um, of Andrew Barry, right? Who, who's done a good job, but let's let's quit the genius label. Okay, Austin Hooper, awful contract, average to above average player, scares absolutely no one. Jack Conklin, big contract, uh, one more year, really good player, had a great year and had a bad year last year, had two injuries, one of which is significant in his rehabbing up against this season. Um Again, Case Keenum, he's going to be cut any day now. B.J. Goodson, he lasted one year. Carl Joseph, he lasted one year and was on other teams' practice squads. Andrew Sandejo, one of the worst players I've ever seen. Andrew Billings, rarely ever played for the Browns. Kevin Johnson did his job for a year, signed another contract, and retired. Uh, Adrian Claiborne, very average player, premium position, had a great career. Uh, He was done by the time he got to the Browns. He's out of the league. That's the first free agent class. So, again, you know, you – you're looking for quick fixes. You're looking to upgrade, in many cases, experience, professionalism, um, guys who can teach your young guys, guys who just come in and play a role for six weeks, for one year, for one or two. If you get more than that, that's great. But take a look at that class and take a look at the state of the pass offense, the mediocre quarterback in place, and the holes that the Browns have, even though they have a good roster and certainly a much better and much top heavier roster than they had two free agency periods ago. That's why you're not a playoff team. That's why you need everything to go great to be a playoff team. So the Browns need a good free agent period. The Browns need a good draft. They need a good off season. And, you know, more than anything else, if they're going to stick with Baker Mayfield and that's every indication, they need him to be healthy. They need him to be efficient, take care of it. They have to get him help. Um, but when you know that everything has to be perfect for your quarterback to succeed and you look around at the rest of the AFC, you know you're in trouble. And this is my question. How can they think that that Baker's going to be better or that the quarterback market's going to be any better a year from now? It's just really good quarterbacks rarely become available. They just do. You have to draft them. How can the Browns think that they're going to be – I mean, they're not try, they're trying to be in the playoffs, obviously, but they're not going to be picking in the top three next year to get that franchise quarterback. Um, so I, I completely understand the thought of why would we give up resources to get Jimmy Garoppolo or Kirk Cousins or whomever it may be that's a marginal upgrade or downgrade in talent. Well, because you're going to have to venture out in the quarterback woods anyway, right? Um, you just are. Short of an extension for Baker Mayfield that's not coming, he's not going to be the quarterback. He has done, I know he was hurt. But he has done nothing to show you that he's going to be your quarterback. And Andrew Barry came out last year and said, we expect to see the best of Baker over the last five games, and we expect Baker to bounce back next year. Well, those five games we saw more awful Baker Mayfield. Four games last year he played as badly as a quarterback can play. Now you're going to bring him back and try to fix a pass game in a desolate free agent market? Bring back David Njoku and Austin Hooper and think that scares anybody? (laughs) I mean, look, I understand the tight end market is what it is. The Browns are already invested in Njoku. 
and they, and they think he can continue to get better. And I think he did make big strides in 2021. I mean, he's the rare player who's five years in and still developing. I mean, look at the history of the franchise tag. There's probably never been a worse football player to get the franchise tag. It's not ideal. You pay him, you try to develop him. If it works out, it's great. Um, what's going to happen with Hooper? I don't know. I know there's one very vague report that says he's coming back. I mean, he's on the books for the next two years. So it always kind of felt like the Browns were going to use that post-June 1 designation to spread that cap hit out and move on. Uh, otherwise, short of a restructure, they're going to pay Austin Hooper $13 million to run four-yard routes. So we'll see. Um, again, this is the state of things. You know, I would expect them to be active uh, in the trade and free agent market, specifically in, in the free agent market, um, going after wide receiver experience, going after players in the defensive line. I mean, Clowney, we'll see what happens. You know, before last week, I, I would have been stunned if he wasn't coming back. Nobody at the Combine seemed to think he was coming back, um, which would be five teams in five years for him, which is interesting. But the other thing is, you know, Malik McDowell last year, he didn't play great all year, and he wasn't super consistent. But this is a massive human who commanded attention and who blew some guys off the ball and who just ate up a lot of space. And the Browns would have to spend big to find a replacement um, who can do that. And so we'll see. How that goes. Um, I'm going to get on to your asking Jackson questions. I appreciate uh, the questions and the feedback. As always, so again, um, you know, given the nature of free agency and the trade market and how this goes, uh, things could change in the next three or four days. And hell, um, by the time this is done recording, things could change. You know, I'm trying to keep my extra laptop handy here as I record just to make sure there's no big move. Um, you would think items of note for the Browns are. Cutting Jarvis Landry, cutting Case Keenum, a, ta- a tender or no tender for Dearness Johnson. I don't know what's going to happen with J.C. Treader, quite frankly. And I don't know what's going to happen with Hooper either. So um, those are the things. And then, you know, it would be out of left field if there was a big trade, but that could be made at any moment. Otherwise, it's on to next Monday afternoon and waiting to see, you know, kind of where it goes. Um, you know, DJ Jones is a name def- – for agent defensive tackle right around 27 has some production, has some pass rush ability. It's easy to fit him. I think uh, you look on the edge, you know, the Browns, they did Claiborne two years ago, Tack McKinley last year. They like to bring in a, a third pass rusher. I think, you know, Jerry Hughes is going to be 34, I believe, but he could tutor your first round pick, your second round pick, your first and fourth round pick there, right? Still play a little bit. There's a guy named a cornrow. Um, And and I know I probably botched that. I'm not even going to try to dive in. He's about 26, 27, has played for the Rams. Only has played 500-some snaps in his entire career. But he has some pass rush production, has some injury issues. But, you know, the Rams can't afford to sign their own free agents when guys want to go get paid. So that would be a deal where you would give him, you know, a two-year deal and, um, you know, incentive that you're getting the best of a guy that only played about 30% of the defensive snaps last year, but has shown that ability. He would come in and be your third defensive end. Look, uh, the defensive line has major questions, but it has a pretty damn good building block in Miles Garrett. And, and the defense in general, you know, I don't know if Walker and Harrison are going to be back. I think there's a case to be made either way. But last year, adding Newsom and JOK to a group that had Denzel Ward, that added John Johnson, you know, um, as I mentioned, has Garrett. Like the Browns have some pretty good defensive pieces, and they're going to need the defense to be great again. So I would not be surprised to see more heavy investments um, and more, you know, experienced players trying to make this defense great and hoping that can be part 
of stabilizing things. Question from David. Should the Browns reconsider bringing in big-name wide receivers via free agency or trade, seeing as how history has shown it hasn't worked for the team? Well, David, recent history has shown it doesn't work anywhere, right? And some of that is really good receivers go to bad quarterbacks and bad offenses. Some of them is they're older and they get hurt. Some of it is their teams let them go in the first place because they knew they they didn't deserve that A money. And this is what happens in in mid-March. You spend that money. You know, given the Browns history, I I mean, I'm not shining away from the Browns. Like the the Browns, this, this group hasn't gone into big money free agency. You know, they inherited Jarvis and Odell. They brought back Richard Higgins twice and he's probably finally gone. Right. Um, but the options are limited. I mean, they knew Chris Godwin was never getting to market. Devontae Adams, that was never even a question whether he was <clears throat> getting to market. He wasn't. Mike Williams resigned. So that leaves you looking at Allen Robinson. That leaves you uh, waiting on the the uh, Amari Cooper uh, cut to be processed. And I, I do think the Browns will be in on both of those guys um, You know, when they hit. And if Cooper gets cut, he could get cut in an hour or a day officially. They'd be in there. I don't see the Browns making that trade. You know, Calvin Ridley's obviously not going to play. Uh, does that mean Russell Gage from the Falcons probably doesn't make it to market? It's probably fair to assume that. So um, that and that leads me to another thing on receivers. I want to make a point here that just scanning the questions. Like, I don't think, guys, it's guaranteed that Kareem Hunt's back. I mean, the Browns love Kareem Hunt, and they can use him. And I think losing him last year hurt them on multiple fronts. It hurt the quarterback. It hurt the play caller. It hurt the offense from a morale standpoint, leadership standpoint. I mean, this guy is an excellent football player. So he's only under contract for one year. The Browns obviously have needs to fill, and Kareem could be someone started. Kareem could be the number one running back for 24 teams, right? But the problem with these trades is like, what value are you really going to get in relation to what Kareem Hunt's value is to you? I just listed what it is to the Browns. I don't think I think that applies to New Orleans and Michael Thomas. I think they'd be fine moving on. What value are they going to get to really do that? You know, um, obviously the quarterback market is its own entity, right? But I think when you look all around the league at some of these guys whose names get dangled, who who fight with their teams or who make too much money for their teams, or a team is in a transition period and the last guy's extended the guy. Like Christian McCaffrey. Sure, the Panthers are willing to trade him rather than pay him $18 million knowing he's going to get hurt. What are they really going to get in return? Aren't they better off trying to get the most out of Christian McCaffrey? Um, so we'll see. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with the Ernest and, and Kareem. I think the Browns in an ideal world would bring both of them back and see. And then eventually maybe look to trade Dearness or Cream um, down the road if, if they needed to. But I think they'd love to have him back, and we'll see that second-round tender to keep teams off of Dearness would cost almost $4 million. The original round tender doesn't cost near that. It kind of makes him an unrestricted free agent. We'll see. Uh, question from Oive. If Njoku is worth the franchise tag, then why wasn't he ahead of Hooper on the depth chart? Well, Njoku did pay 65% of the snaps, and he got the franchise tag. So this is a bet on his potential and that he can be a dynamic tight end. He's never going to be Mark Andrews. He's never going to be Travis Kelsey. Um, He hasn't been asked to do what Mike Jasicki has done for Miami. We'll see how all that works out. David Njoku is an intriguing player. He's a tantalizing player. He's been an inconsistent player. Um, I I do think he's a better football player than he was two, two years ago. I do think he can help your team. Um, the only way you can justify paying all, 
10 million plus to David Njoku is that you just don't have any other options. And that's what teams across the league are saying. Cause Dalton Schultz also got to tag Evan Ingram. Who's, you know, probably underachieved and certainly has had injuries is going to be in demand. That's just the nature of the beast. I mean, as it goes, there's hard positions to find. And right now it's hard to find, um, tight ends. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The question from Ben was uh, regarding the Dearness and Hunt situation. Hunt is obviously great, but more expensive. Could you see the Browns tendering Dearness and trying to trade Hunt? Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what we went over. But I, I just don't think – I think in a mega deal, the Browns would begrudgingly give up Kareem Hunt. I don't think the Browns are shopping Kareem Hunt looking for a third-round pick <laughs> where they already have two, you know, looking for a marginal defensive tackle where they can find one you know, in later layers of free agency and add young guys and continue to develop Jordan Elliott and Tommy Toe. Yeah. Like I just don't think that's, that's going to happen. Question from Derek. Is it crazy to think it would behoove the Browns to not only secure their kicker, but also their punter in this draft? You know, I do think they're going to draft one or the other. I don't think they're going to draft both a kicker and a punter because that would be saying our roster is so good that we don't need the other guys. And that's just not the case. Right. Um, and I do think there is a long-term element to, to the way this team drafts and trying to stock guys for later positions. So in my first mock, I'm, I mocked the Penn State punter. I, I do think they'll take one or the other. There are two kickers who are going to get drafted. The York kid from LSU, the Burkish kid from Oklahoma, who is a Cleveland native. Teams are going to look at them. Uh, I don't think young Hoku is going to make it to the market. He is a restricted free agent. 
you know, uh, I, I think the Browns will go the competition route. It wouldn't be surprised to see Chase McLaughlin back in camp and in a competition the way he was last year. So we'll see. I would be, I would be surprised if they draft both, but they could also you know add a veteran punter in free agency. I think there's three or four teams looking to get rid of their guys. The Browns already signed a punter to a futures contract. A guy who's kicked a few times for the Carolina Panthers had an injury, and the Panthers moved on. The Panthers uh, just did a contract extension for kickers and Gonzalez, by the way. So. I'm not anticipating much on the free agent market. I know after Evan McPherson last year, someone's going to draft this LSU kicker and think that he's ready. Is that the Browns in the fifth round? Uh, I don't know. I I think we'll see on that question from Jared asking Jackson, is there any merit to picking a later round QB Carson strong, Bailey Zappi, EJ Perry, for example, to sit behind Baker and see what happens after this season. So, yeah. So if this is the plan, Baker stays, Keenum goes, the Browns go get Marcus Mariota or trade for Gardner Minshew to come in. Um, no, you know, on a one-year deal, right? Then I'm probably wrong in not mocking a quarterback to the Browns. But, but this is not a great quarterback class. I don't think the Browns are using 13 or 44 on a quarterback. That means by the time they would use a quarterback, any one of them that's worth a shit is gone. So Carson Strong is a big, strong guy with a rocket arm. He reminds you of Derek Anderson. He might or might not play in this league. I don't know what the evaluation is on him. Um, Bailey Zappi is a smaller guy. Came out of nowhere. Houston Baptist, I think, transferred to Western Kentucky. Absolutely lit it up. You know, he he showed, he, he showed some stuff at the senior bowl. He's going to be a mid-round, late-round pick. Does the team like him and think that he can be the guy? I don't know. For the Browns, it's about getting the guy. Like, there are lots of teams – that can say, hey, we want Malik Willis and we're willing to sit him or for a little while or we're willing to take our lumps and adjust our offense and know that in two years we might have that guy. I mean, this is the baffling thing with Mayfield to me. Like, the Browns have to be right now. And, and I know what the, the financial numbers say and I know what six or eight games in 2020 looked like. But I just look at the rest of the AFC and I just look at what the quarterback, how hard it is to get one. And I just wonder. So, so yeah, Jared, I mean, I think it's 60-40 that they draft one. I feel silly not making that 70-30, but I'm just not convinced. Because unless they like Desmond Ritter enough to make him the second rounder and, and make him the quarterback that's at least in pencil for 2023, right? Or Matt Corral, I guess. Uh, I've tried to see it with him. I don't see it with him. Um, then, then I'm not sure, you know, how that's going to go. I think the competition route with a veteran um, and Nick Mullins is back under contract, letting those guys go. It's probably the best way. Like it's just hold your nose and see where it leads you. And if the Browns have this faith in Baker to play better and and to give them a chance this year and and to let them operate thinking they can be better around him and and create an environment in which he can succeed. then that's probably going to be the route. And that probably involves using those picks on wide receivers and defensive linemen. Um, rather than a developmental quarterback who may or may not ever be worth a shit. So we'll see. Question from Roach. With the uneven play at safety, any chance the Browns looking at acquiring Tyron Matthew? You know, I was just going through um, – this is a bit of a spoiler, and, and the timing of this is, is timed up. On Thursday, I will have my list of 25 Browns targets for free agency specifically, but also for 
you know, trades and, and potential cap casualties over the next couple months as teams go through their plans. Um, I was looking in the DBs because I think the Browns are, are looking down the road. I, I don't think Tyron Matthew at almost 30 years old fits that. I think, you know, assuming he gets to the market, I would assume he would want to go to a team where he has a past connection and that team is more of a perceived current contender than the Browns are. So um, your theory on Ronnie Harrison walks um, and, you know, a veteran safety comes in here. It could happen. I, I certainly don't think that's in the first two tiers or the plan ABC of the Browns. So I'm going to say no on, on Tyron Matthew. Um, but, you know, I do think past the first couple of moves, I do think the Browns will be looking for 28, 30 year old guys who have played on winning teams who can come in here and, um, you know, help coach up the young guys, help stabilize things and be ready in big games if they need them. So, We'll see how that goes. Question from Corey. Chances the Bears would deal Khalil Mack for 13th overall. I'd imagine there's some major cap implications connected to that, Corey. And I also don't know Khalil Mack right now um, in year nine is worth that. So probably not. Um, Do I believe the Browns have checked on every available edge rusher? Yes. Uh, Are the Bears a place to look at? in terms of just change coaches, schemes, and regimes for some proven players who might leak out um, via cap casualty or traded for nothing, uh, next to nothing. Yes. I think it's probably more Bilal Nichols and, and Akeem Hicks inside for part-time roles than Khalil Mack, but we'll see. Um, question from G Park. Do you think the Russell Wilson trade affects the Browns at all? Does it potentially make Carr more available? No, I, I think – the car becoming available was always a pipe dream. And I think the only way it was going to happen is if the Raiders got Russ Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, they got neither. Um, how does it affect the Browns? Well, they don't play the Broncos, but it takes the Browns from either the ninth, 10th or 11th best quarterback situation in the AFC to the 10th, 11th or 12th best quarterback situation in the AFC. It makes the race for the playoffs that much harder. The, for the last three years, you had no reason to look at the Denver Broncos as a playoff team because they had a shit quarterback. Now they have a really good quarterback, so we'll see. Um, the last part of that question, does the return the Hawks got make the Browns less likely to trade for a QB? You know, I don't know. I, I've always said don't rule out Deshaun Watson. We still don't know how that's going to go. No team would trade for him until there's some more clarity and, and likely a full resolution there. What that price is, would the Browns pay it? Would the Browns be willing to outbid everyone else? Um, I don't know that answer. You know, I, I know that nine or 10 or 12 teams need quarterbacks and like four of them are realistically available. And one's Jimmy Garoppolo in surgery, right? One's Kirk Cousins under contract for one year, 35 million. Um, you know, one's Mitchell Trubisky. One's Jameis Winston, who's off ACL. So, Desperate times, desperate measures, how it all plays out. We're, we're soon going to find out. We're here at free agency. Question from Chris. From a fan perspective, it seems wide receiver, defensive line, and edge are priorities for the top of the draft, especially because of immediate need. What positions need addressed in this draft because they'll be developed for two or three seasons in the future? Well, I think when you look at free agency and the draft, the Browns have some questions on the offensive line. We don't know if Treader's going to be back. Jedrick Wills is coming off an awful year, and Conklin – this is the last year of his contract. I mean, they restructured to say he'll be back, but he's got major injury that he's coming off of. They drafted James Hudson to be the replacement last year. Is he going to be that guy? Where is he in his development? The Browns would have to answer that. You know, if Austin Hooper moves on, then the Browns are absolutely drafting a tight end. If he doesn't, 
They're probably not because Harrison Bryant is under contract for two more years and Njoku's coming back, right? Um, corner to me is where they're certainly going to add a developmental guy along the way. Uh, and the Browns have good corners, and, and they, they might have two-star corners in Ward and Newsom. But this is probably the last year for Troy Hill and Greedy Williams, so you always have to be looking there. I mean, I think they've done a nice job of bringing A.J. Green along to the point that they have. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be anything more than a special teams player. So um, we'll see there. At linebacker, I don't know. I think you know Jacob Phillips, the injury last year, the Browns have expected more of him. I'm not sure what they can count on at this point because they've, they've seen really uneven and just glimpses over two years. I don't know that Walker will be back. You know, JOK looks looks like a keeper, looks like a potential star. So we'll see there. This will be the last year for Taki Taki and Mac Wilson. You know, I don't even know that Mac Wilson will be back. Um, yeah, so, Chris, the, the idea is that I think this team, has, you're always a little bit drafting for the future. You're trying to add players. But when you're in the Browns mode, like, they need to remake this defensive line room. Like, you got to have big, scary, freaky athletes in this room and the, and – we don't know what's going to happen with Clowney, and we know Malik McDowell's not back, and, and the the pipeline at Rusher was dry. It just is dry, so it needs to be revamped. Um, we'll see how that goes. Question from Harrison. With the current landscape of the AFC, how far can Baker realistically take the Browns if he returns to 2020 form? He lists his stats and all that. Uh, I mean, realistically, he could take them to the divisional round, which is you know where they got um, if everything's perfect and everything was damn near perfect that year. Right. Uh, passing game offense as a whole really kind of found itself in that that November to December uh, range. Browns got hot and they rode it out. Um, you know, Baker's certainly not the worst quarterback in the league. He's somewhere near the middle. His ceiling is not that high. His bottom last year was somewhere near the bottom, bottom third, bottom fourth, <laughs> five or six worst in the league. Right. If you expect better than that. You know, right in the middle. Um, you know, can they rev it up? Can this offense open it up uh, by scheme, by personnel, by quarterback play? Can they hit enough simple ones and run the ball well enough to open up the shots down the field? And, and I'm not ruling out DPJ taking a leap. I'm not ruling out Anthony Schwartz taking a leap. You know, I'm not ruling out different and forced use of Njoku, given the Browns a little bit different dimension. I don't think he's ever going to be Andrews or Kelsey um, and, and just make defenses change the way they play the team. You know, this team is built to to win with the run game and use that to open things up. And I think through injury, through quarterback ineffectiveness, through the line not playing as well and not having the continuity, I think those things got lost last year. And I think when it went off the rails, it went off the rails quickly. I mean, obviously, Odell quits the team in the middle of the year after being wide open and goes and is wide open for the Rams, and they win the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, there there is a ceiling on Baker Mayfield, and there's a ceiling on the Browns. And, and the Browns have a good roster, but the Browns right now, realistically, are competing to be the seventh-best team in the AFC, right? Um, how can that change with injuries, with player progression, with guys getting hot and guys taking a leap and things clicking, and it, it can we see it all the time. We see it all the time, and there are good pieces here. I do think Kevin Stefanski can coach offensive football. I do think the Browns' identity um, can help them win games and get hot. I just, I just n- it, am ninety-five percent sure that Baker Mayfield is not the long-term answer here. And when you look at the circumstances where you have to revamp the whole passing game again, where you have 
some guys where you don't want to waste this time. You know that um, he's going to continue to act like a child. He has a track record of that. I would make a change and venture out in the wilderness. Now, if they don't ask me, we'll see. Um, I think the ceiling on this team is compete for that seventh playoff spot and be back in the quarterback mix, search mix um, a year from now. We'll see. Deshaun Watson's still out there, guys. Um, They bring in a Mariota or Minshew and Baker doesn't play well. We'll see how that goes. Um, Maybe there's a draft surprise out there waiting on all of us. I don't know. Um, We'll see. But again, um, to sum it all up, the plans are made. See how far down the, the checklist you have to go. See exactly what they prioritize in terms of, you know, um, not A-list options at wide receiver and defensive end here and, and needing help at defensive tackle. So, um, you know, your, your free agent expectations should always be tempered, but this team has some some holes to plug and some holes to fill, uh, if I'm saying that correctly, if you know what I'm saying in two different modes. And, and we'll see. Um, We'll see what happens. Anyway, thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. Be along for the ride with us and talk to you next time on Civilized Barking. And next time, you know, if there's a huge free agent move or a trade, uh, it will be then. It might not be for another week until we're three, four days into free agency. So we'll see. But I appreciate you guys following, reading, and all that stuff. And I'll talk to you soon.